It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your other host, James Rapine. And guess what, James? Can you guess? Have you guessed? Do you have oh, a I guess? Oh, I know. I know what today is. It's my favorite day of the week. Go ahead and tell them. Not only is it your favorite day of the week, James, it's my favorite day of the week. And we get three full segments of a Locked On Bengals weekend mailbag. That's right. The whole show, James, is answering our beloved listeners' questions. These all came to us. For those of you listening who don't follow at Locked On Bengals on Twitter, through the Locked On Bengals Twitter account, that is how we find them. We organize our entire show for the mailbag around the questions that you submit in response to the Locked On Bengals Twitter account's tweet saying, hey, it's mailbag time, send us your questions. So when you see that tweet from the Lockdown Bengals Twitter account, at Lockdown Bengals, that's your trigger to get your questions in for a chance to have them read and answered on the podcast. Guess who's asking our first question today, James? It's one of my cousins, as Joe Goodberry used to say, Juicy Jake. Juicy Jake has a picture of Joe Mixon talking about potentially some new uniforms for the Cincinnati Bengals in the 2021 season, and Jake wants to know if we think that the Bengals keep the players in the loop about a uniform change or if this is just Joe Mixon having fun on Twitter. Oh, I think Joe's having fun on Twitter for sure. I I think that that's just just like with the Devonta Smith comment from the other day, that's him having fun and just kind of talking about what, uh, you know, is on his mind at that particular moment. But I will say this. I would not be shocked if the Bengals make at least some uniform tweaks or changes for 2021. I don't know anything. I'm not reporting anything or anything like that, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if there there are at least some differences to the 2021 uniforms. And that would fall in line, Jake, with what they did. 03 Carson Palmer's rookie year, then 04 new uniforms, second year quarterback. Obviously, it was his first year starting. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if they went that route. Yeah, the rumblings seem to indicate that there are potentially some small changes coming to the uniforms, if anything comes along. I think that if you're expecting wholesale change, we have seen no indication of that. And and we don't even know for sure if there are these small changes coming along. But more than a few people with ears on the ground, Joe Mixon included, have heard something. Now, the extent of what they've heard... I don't know. So we're not making any promises. As James said, we're not reporting anything. But, I mean, we've been talking about uniform changes for, well, since I've been doing the podcast. I guess that makes it almost two years now. Give them to me, Jake. Give them to me. I need wholesale uniform changes. Swap it out. Make it. Look, look good, feel good, play good. Well, they haven't looked good for a while. And they played good at times in these uniforms. But 
let, let's move past it. I think we both agree there. I don't think it's coming at the wholesale changes at least, but who knows? Fingers crossed. Next question is Chico Ruiz, 2654 on Twitter. And Jake, he asks, to what extent does Bengals.com speak for the organization? In other words, how concerned should we be when Jeff Hobson says things like the offensive line shouldn't be a priority? So Jeff Hobson works for the Bengals. He's in the building. His office is down at Paul Brown Stadium. I can tell you for sure that when they have news to break, Hobson almost always gets it first unless they don't want it to break and it's leaked to some national media member via agent or player, etc., or coach maybe. But when the organization deliberately has news that they want to release, Jeff Hobson gets his, his first shot at it. If it's an extension, he gets to talk to that player first. And generally, he'll get the heads up before the rest of the local media is notified for, for, for a general rule. But I think that since Zach Taylor came along, his pulse on the Bengals organization, his sources have changed. And I think that he knows less now than he used to know about what the organization wanted to do, at least from a coaching perspective. And what has changed in that period of time is the coaching staff, obviously. You still got roughly the same front office. So it's not like his front office sources would have changed at all. But if he was getting information from a coach, which seems likely to me, I think that he's not getting quite as reliable information as he used to get. So I think when you're asking, how worried should I be if I want the offensive line to be a priority and Jeff Hobson says they need to spend all their draft picks on defense, I think Jeff Hobson is not quite as connected as he used to be to that sort of thing. That's fair. And I will say, though, I totally get it. Because when I read that, and and you did, and and, and everyone, I think, that saw that, and it was basically a, a clip from Bengals.com that dismissed their struggles a bit on offense, uh, specifically on the offensive line. No, th- there's no denying it. I don't want to, it, it doesn't matter. It's their biggest need. This is the, the wide receiver guy, right? Who's about to vouch for Jamar Chase potentially being the fifth pick. It doesn't mean they shouldn't fix the offensive line. And, and so that really isn't up for debate. But I, I do agree with you. I, I think, look, if did, did Hobson see the, the flurry of free agency moves right last year where they spent a ton of money. I, I just think that this, this organization right now, the way, the way it is, there's no reason to take this article to heart, remember it, store it just in case they, they do go that route and think Frank Pollock is the answer. I don't think that's the case, but uh, certainly time will tell. Every indication that I've seen from the organization is the, that there's some self-awareness of, of the state of the offensive line. They know what they're dealing with. They know that they had to change the offense. There's, there's evidence on tape. Go back to how they ran the offense until they played Baltimore. Look at the play calling and how things changed after they played Baltimore. They knew what their offensive line was, and they still know what it is. They brought in Frank Pollock, and you, you read what Zach Taylor said. You read what the article said. They brought him in to teach technique to develop talent because they haven't been able to do that. So part of that is they are going to try to find an in-house solution wherever possible. Maybe it's Quentin Spain. Maybe it is Xavier Suofilo. And we'll talk about some of those guys a little bit later in the show. I think we have some questions about some of them, but it also means that they know that their valuations weren't correct. And I think they know that they need to get better. 
I mean, Frank Pollock said it. They need to get better. So I think we will see change. I, I think they won't be resting on their laurels on a pretty poor offensive line. And I, and I certainly hope they don't try to make it work. But I guess, like you said, James, I also had that reaction, right? Like I had a series of tweets as I went through the article continually kind of devolving and losing my mind a little bit more with <laughs> each paragraph I read culminating in like, yeah, I'm definitely taking crazy pills. Like I don't even know what I'm reading right now. Uh, so that opinion and perspective is out there. The way Hobson has always written tends to be very positive toward the team and tries to highlight things that went well. And I totally get that. I understand where that's coming from. But when you say you need to improve on the defense and you point out all the defensive struggles and you ignore the offensive struggles and, and the amount of hiding, I guess, the amount they had to hide the offensive line, you know, you, you can't have it both ways. You're, you're burning both edges, ed, ends of the candle if you go that way. James, our next question comes from Draft Jamar Chase. Who does he at, want to draft? I don't, I'm not sure. He, his, his Twitter handle is at Joe Mixon Burner. So I guess, I guess those <laughs> go hand in hand given Joe Mixon's recent deleted tweets. If you had to choose, which duo would you add to the roster next year? Taylor Moten and Jamar Chase or Curtis Samuel and Penny Sewell? That's a good one. My man, Joe Mixon Burner with a, a tough question. Look, both of these are win, 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 win. Cause I want all four players. I'm down with Samuel. Obviously you can't argue Penny Sewell, uh, Taylor Moten, obviously and, and Jamar Chase. So, so I'm going to lean Taylor Moten and Jamar Chase. And here's why Moten to me is a borderline elite right tackle right now. Probably the best right tackle, right tackle that's going to hit the free agent market. Um, and if he does hit the market, you know, you're talking about a guy that can hold down the fort opposite Jonah Williams for the rest of Joe Burrow's rookie contract. And then some, right? He's in his mid 20s, should be entering his prime. He fits that DJ reader type mold where you get him and you hope he can just hold down the fort. On the flip side, you talk about star potential, Jamar Chase to me has a, a chance to be, and there's a good argument we've talked about this, Jamar Chase could be a better prospect overall, not position prospect, obviously, better prospect than Penny Sewell. So I get the the more sure thing to protect Burrow. Then I get a guy in Jamar Chase who at 19 dominated the SEC, who has a relationship with Burrow, and who's far and away, in my opinion, the number one receiver prospect in this draft class. Sign me up. And by the way, I don't think Sewell and Chase are going to be there. I don't think this is going to be necessarily a a decision the Bengals have to go back and forth with. It'd be a great, great problem to have. I just think at least one of those guys is going to go in the top four picks. But I, I would take either scenario, sign me up for either one. But if they could land Moten and Jamar Chase, that's the one that I would take over Curtis Samuel and Penny Sewell. Moten is a plug-and-play option of right tackle, 26 years old. You're getting a young wide receiver with an elite breakout at a young age, dominating the SEC at 19 years old in Jamar Chase. You know he can win at every level of the field. He can win physically. He can get separation. I'm with you on option A, but here is the case for wow. option B. I'm shocked because you love Samuel. Go ahead. The, the case for option B is that Curtis Samuel is just 24 years old. He'll be 25 next year. He ran a 4-3. He also is a guy that can win after the catch. He can win vertically. 
and Penny Sewell is by far the best tackle prospect in this class. So as you said, James, you're happy either way, but you take the proven commodity of tackle, the plug and play guy. And Jamar Chase is another one where I, I'm just incredibly confident in Jamar Chase's short and long-term future as a prospect, as a player. I think he can make an impact right away. And I think he's a number one long-term. A lot more questions to get to, James. We'll get back into the mailbag in just a minute. Jake and I went with option A. Our number one option for protein is Built Bar. Look, you're trying to shake off that quarantine weight, trying to get that 2021 summer bot. I get it. I'm with you. I'm doing the same fight, and I'm doing it right now with Built Bar. They come in 18 amazing flavors, each and every bar covered in 100% chocolate. So whether it's peanut butter, mint brownie, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, which I had yesterday. I'm looking at my favorite, by the way, right now. You're talking about the mint brownie delight, just 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, and the best part, four grams of sugar and just four grams of fat. So the macros are perfect. Whatever your diet is, whatever you're trying to do, Built Bar can help you get there. So go there right now. Check out all of their amazing flavors and what they have to offer at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's our favorite day of the week as the Locked On Bengals weekend mailbag rolls on. And Jake, let's continue with Nick Menler at nmenler on Twitter. He says, like every true Bengal fan, I'm all about Joe Burrow, but what worries me is him coming back too early and getting injured again. Let's say he isn't ready for the regular season. What is the plan at quarterback? Allen, sign a veteran. Do you trust this medical staff? I don't really feel like I'm qualified to comment on the medical staff. I feel like their rehab usually goes really well, and there's no reason to distrust their rehab guys. A lot of people like to get on the Bengals for, you know, why are we so injured every year? And I'm personally a pretty firm believer in bad luck. Like, no matter what you do in your strength and conditioning room, a guy breaking a leg, a guy getting his knee blown out like Joe Burrow, a guy getting a a quad tear, like there's no amount of strengthening that DJ Reader is going to do for his quad that's going to prevent his quad from rupturing, right? That's not a strength and conditioning thing. So... I generally am not on the medical staff too much. Like maybe they shouldn't have let T Higgins play in that last game of the season, but it's the last game of the season. So if he can get his hamstring right, turns out it'll be okay. And he almost made history in that, in that one little play that he got before it was called back for a penalty. So I'm not going to throw any shade at the medical staff. I, I don't think there's really much reason to besides that Bengals fans get frustrated with their perception that the Bengals are more injured than other teams. But I don't even know if the data bears that out in the end, that the Bengals do get injured more than other teams. So let's take the target off the medical staff. But the interesting part of this question, I think, James, is what do they do at backup quarterback? 
Brandon Allen had one fantastic game as a starter. He had a terrible game as a starter. And he kind of looked in between in some of the others where he looked capable, but not special. Now, I don't think that the quarterback market necessarily is going to be quite as saturated this year as it was last year with so many good veteran options, but they're all still around. So it's certainly possible that they could upgrade on Allen and backup quarterback. PFF loves to talk about Cam Newton to the Bengals. And that's something that maybe deserves a little bit of conversation. Do they want to go for a quarterback at that tier? Or do they mm-hmm. want to just, you know, settle in with Brand- with Brandon Allen? Do they, do they want to go like the Marcus Mariota route, right? In Oakland, where he came in and he was fantastic. You would feel a lot better if you had a guy like Marcus Mariota, I think, behind Joe Burrow. But that also costs a lot more money. And so that's where you have to kind of make the decision is how much money is is it worth spending on a backup quarterback in the case that Joe Burrow needs to miss a couple of games? And that's where it gets really complicated and really tricky. Let me throw out an idea to you because yeah, we could talk about Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, or heck Andy Dalton returning to, to save Zach Taylor's job for a couple of games. Um, and there's plenty of time for that. It's a pretty good draft class. I, I, what, what if they use a, you know, the fourth rounder on a legitimate backup quarterback everything they hoped Ryan Finley would become on a guy that has physical traits and tools and uh, the the talent that you potentially look for in a mid-round pick. I'm not saying that they should necessarily do that, but especially if you're going to go the, you know, $8 million per year route, which is what the Raiders did with Marcus Mariota. Maybe you just might want to draft a guy and and, and have a guy that can, if you need him to go instead of Burrow, Okay, he can go. And no, he's not experienced and in, in, in stuff like that, but he can still go. This coaching staff got Burrow ready for week one with no preseason, no in-person offseason. So I think they're certainly qualified to do that, especially if there is a preseason. Uh, so so I, I think that that's one option we haven't really talked about a lot. But I wouldn't rule it out. Would you rather Brandon Allen or insert whatever quarterback that they feel really good about that's going to be on a rookie deal for the next three years, four years? Brandon Allen. I, I don't want to <laughs> touch. I don't want to touch spending a draft pick on a quarterback. And as soon as you start talking about the fourth round, I know you said what they hoped Ryan Finley would be, but odds are they just get another Ryan Finley there. I, I would rather oh, spend the no. money. But between those Ryan two Finley. options, if it was Ryan Finley historically is rough, man. If it was eight million dollars or a fourth round pick or Brandon Allen, I'm going Brandon Allen all day because to to me. I don't know. I, I've never felt backup quarterback is as important as other people seem to think it is. I, I think, you know, if your quarterback gets hurt, you're in a bad place no matter what you do. And if you're in a good place with your backup quarterback, it means the rest of your team is really good. And if the rest of the team is really good, Brandon Allen has a, has, has shown the ability to play when things fall into place. It was a bad defense, but he got it done. And if the offensive line gets better and the whole offense gets better, then Brandon Allen can probably function in that scenario. I'm telling Sam Ellinger from Texas that you hate him. I'm okay. telling all these guys now that you hate him. I'm going to send them an, an email that, that you did. Felipe Franks, the kid out of Arkansas, you hate him too. Sure. All right. You, you do that. <laughs> they will care a lot. And we'll talk, about, we'll talk about Jordan Dean's question. Jordan Dean 04 which home game do you think is the most exciting next year? They've, and they've got some good ones. He points out they've, we've got Burrow against Herbert, 
We've got Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence probably coming to Cincinnati at some point. Actually, I guess that's official now. Urban Meyer for sure, and Trevor Lawrence almost certainly. Patrick Mahomes. You got Aaron Rodgers. All the AFC North matchups. It's a lot of good quarterback matchups. Which of them are you most excited to cover, James? Oh, I haven't even thought about that. I get to cover Patrick Mahomes next year. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. Um, I think I'm going to lean Justin Herbert. Because if they hire Joe Brady, like I think they're going to in Los Angeles, Justin Herbert's that, you know, he's going to be reigning rookie of the year. He's a guy that's going to be compared. Heck, yesterday's show, we compared the two because they're just going to be compared forever. So assuming they play and both guys are on the field, that's the matchup, especially since we were robbed of it in week one of the 2020 season. So that one, but I, I don't think there really is a wrong answer. Mahomes, Rodgers, potentially coming off of a, a Super Bowl title, one of those two guys, Urban Meyer and the upstart uh, Trevor Lawrence-led Jaguars that I, I think are going to be a pretty good team next year. It depends on what moves they make this offseason. But yeah, it's uh, y- you know what this tells me, Jake? That the Bengals better get good quick if they want to compete in 2021 because the schedule's rough. And you never know what's going to happen between now and then. Urban Meyer might fall flat on his face in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is going to make it pretty hard, I think, for that to happen. But you never know. Uh, for me, it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. They're incredibly fun to watch. Patrick Mahomes is, I don't know, it's going to be, if he keeps going the way he's going, he's going to be the best QB of all time. I think. I think he has every chance in the world to get there. Needs to do it for a lot longer than he's done it. But man, if he keeps it up, that's going to be hard to deny. So getting a chance to see Burrow go against Mahomes early in his career is going to be fun. And I think Rodgers is right up there too. Going against a couple greats there and those two guys. Those are going to be some fun games. I won't argue with you about the Herbert thing. I just am sick of the Herbert Burrow comparisons. And so (laughs) that one doesn't make the list for me. Hey, maybe we'll... uh either the Rodgers matchup or the Mahomes matchup. Once the schedule actually comes out, we'll plan it and we'll, uh, we'll get you to Cincinnati. What do you think? Yeah, we'll see what the situation is in the world for then. I would like to make it to a game next year, but we'll, we'll just have to see what happens, you know, externally to football to allow that sure. to happen. That's true. I guess it might be unsafe to assume that, but I, I would love to watch Patrick Mahomes sling it all over the field at Paul Brown Stadium with you, Jake. That would be fun. Up next, more of your questions in the weekend mailbag. Speaking of this weekend, it is a big, big weekend. NFL divisional round. Will the Chiefs take down the Browns after their big upset over the Steelers? Or are are the Browns going to continue their Cinderella story? You can make money on it one way or the other. Last I checked, the line was 10 points at BetOnline. Go there right now. Sign up. BetOnline.ag for a free account. And use the promo code Locked On to get your 50% welcome bonus. There's only one place that has you covered, one place we trust here at Locked On Bengals. Get off the sidelines, make some money this weekend. And whether it's on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at home trying to beat Andrew Whitworth and the Rams, or maybe it's my guy, Tampa Tom, Tom Brady, hoping to slay Drew Brees and the Saints who have kicked this tail in twice already this season. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All good things eventually have an ending and we are in the final stanza of this weekend mailbag. But never fear, it'll be back next weekend. So when you have questions... Get them locked and loaded and get them ready. Tweet them at the Locked On Bengals Twitter account when we ask for your questions next week for your chance to get into next week's mailbag. Also keep in mind, sometimes we don't answer questions because we have a show planned around it or we've already done a show on that topic. So make sure you're keeping an eye on all of our other episodes as well because odds are we will have talked about your question at some point. We have a few questions, James, about the offensive line today. Our next one comes from Greg Borchers. Because I think I talked a little bit about Xavier Suofilo as a potential cut candidate this offseason due to his relative cap hit and his performance level. Greg says that when he played, he graded pretty well. And it seems like heading into free agency, you could do much worse. Do you expect Xavier Suofilo to be on the team in 2021? And if you do, James, do you think he'll start or is he just competing? I think he one. It's reasonable to bring him back at, at the you know the three million. It's also reasonable to cut him. It depends on who you're cutting him for. If it's Xavier Suafilo at three million, or you know the top tackle in, in Tooney or Scherf or, or you know one of those guys for fourteen or fifteen million, well then fine, cut him. But otherwise, sure. Th- I think that there's going to be one spot that is solved in house between right tackle. Right guard, left guard. I, I think that's just realistic. I think it's going to be hard for them to really replace three spots on the offensive line. With that being said, has Xavier Suofilo shown enough to to at least compete for a starting job? Yeah, and I think he's a quality backup. So I wouldn't hate if he's on the roster next year. And I would say it's more likely than not that he is, knowing the Bengals. Uh, but But I certainly don't think he's going to be handed a starting job. I think at best for him, it's competing and trying to impress Frank Pollock and impress him and, and, and show that he can be that guy. Cause he's never really been that in the league, despite now going into his age 30 season. So I think that's the key here, even though he looked better than what the Bengals had, they had the worst guard play in the league for most of last season. And so, you know, maybe you bring Spain back on a, uh, a one year deal and he competes with Suofilo and the, the loser of that is your backup, which you could deal with. But I, I don't think he's going to be handed anything. I think that it's totally reasonable question, Greg. I think that Suofilo probably should be back. I think that he might be the guy out of this year's group, besides Jonah Williams, that does end up starting next year. He did, for the Bengals, pretty much exactly what he did last year in Dallas, which was he pass-blocked well, and his run-blocking was hit or miss, at least if you go by PFF's marks. And what's the most important thing for these guards next year? It's going to be pass-blocking. You can't let that pressure get free up the middle. And... Xavier Suofilo, when he was on the field for those last few games against Pittsburgh, against Baltimore, and against Houston with varying levels of pass rush in terms of quality of opponent, he played pretty well. He held up in those games. If he can do that against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I honestly like his chances to to come in and try to get a job next year. Even if he's not the best run blocker, 
which he hasn't been historically. I think you make a good point, Greg, that Suafilo, out of all the guys on this offensive line, with, with Trey Hopkins being hurt, with Jonah Williams being the exception, I think you could see him starting next year, but he, he will have to earn it. Speaking of Trey Hopkins, next question, Ben Grant on Twitter, and shout out to Ben, he's a loyal listener, asks, how would you address the center position? Is the guy you may have to start on the se- start the season with currently on the team, do you gamble on Hopkins being ready? Do you get a new starting center, draft one? Can Burrell just snap it to himself like when we used to play in the schoolyard? <laughs> I wish he could snap it to himself, right? I mean, that would make Might things easy. <laughs> You, you definitely can't count on Hopkins to be healthy. And so then the question is, can you afford to spend money there? They're already paying Trey. He has a six and a half million dollar cap hit next year. Can you afford to put more money into that position or do you just have to roll with Billy Price and, and hope that Billy Price can give you average level center play? Because you're not going to go out there and spend $11 million on Corey Lindsley. Or if you are, that's probably the only offensive lineman you're signing you're, you're trying to maybe get a lower level guy to play guard and then you're going to move Trey Hopkins when he's healthy and you're going to plug Trey Hopkins in, in one of those guard positions. Maybe you're relying on Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo at that point. So that's what they would have to do if they were to go off roster for a center and bring in a guy. I think Corey Lindsley is, is by far the best option, right? He's coming off a career year in Green Bay. But do you really spend more money at center instead of going after one of these premier guards and hoping that with competent guard play on either side of him, Billy Price can make it through. The other thing is, even if they have Price, they need a backup. So is that Hakeem Adeniji in year two? Do, do they continue to work him at center, get him some center reps, or is he your your swing everything but center guy still? And if so, then I'm not sure there is a backup center on the team, so they would need to figure that out one way or another. So that could be a draft solution, by the way. The second round pick could line up really well for an interior offensive lineman. We just drafted Creed Humphrey last week, James, or this week in Mock Draft Monday. So I think there's certainly a chance there. One potential free agent to keep an eye on, Pat Elfline, is going to be a free agent. Played for the Jets last year with Frank Pollock. Has guard and center experience. Is a guy got, got drafted a year before Price. Wouldn't be shocked at all if that's a guy they they look to uh, in free agency. And he would probably be reasonable. Because, you know, you're not breaking the bank and he has the versatility to play both spots. That's a really good point. Uh, the the Frank Paul connection for sure and the experience of both positions for sure. And Duke Manyweather was pretty pleased with the steps Pat Elfline took under Frank Pollock's tutelage in New York. So there's still some potential upside there for sure. Next question comes from Nick Kirby 3 on Twitter. T. Higgins was impressive this year. What kind of leap do you see him making next year, James? He was really good to finish the season without Burrow. Can 85 take up that wide receiver one mantle in Cincinnati again with T. Higgins wearing the number? He certainly can. He can. He's capable of it. I think he has that potential. I mean, doing what he did at 21, first year in the league. I mean, coming into this year, think about what at least I was saying, and I I think a lot of people agreed. You don't have to bank on Higgins, right? Well, by week four, week five, outside of Tyler Boyd, he was their easily their most reliable and best receiver and uh, obviously their best outside threat. So I think so. I think the contested catch is there. I think what you hope is that he develops into this uh, high-end contested catch type of player, this Kenny Galladay type almost. 
Um, so he's going to have to get stronger. That, that, that's the key. We talk a lot about these guys in developing. I know Tyler Boyd mentioned that in his end of season press conference that he's going to get him in the weight room a bit, and that'll be good for him because I think T is a he's got the great the perfect attitude. I think he's a guy that fits in well with Burrow, and the coaching staff believes in him, and they believed in him since before they picked him. So the this stage is set, and it would make it even easier, Jake, if he had a, an outside speed threat to take some some pressure off of him a bit. So I think that's part of it, too. What did the Bengals do to make life easier on, on someone like T? But I, I certainly think he has the potential to be a top wide receiver and a wide receiver one. Yeah, I think that you mentioned strength. I, th- I think that there's a little bit of room left for growth and route running. He did take some major steps there this year. The other thing is he has to get that hamstring healthy. It's been bothering him for almost mm-hmm. a full calendar year at this point. He needs to not be dealing with a nagging hamstring injury if you want to rely on him long term. Because if that turns out to just be a chronic thing and he's going to miss time every year, you can't really rely on that, right? So that's that's the kind of one concern out there. I just want to point out, comparing rookie classes, 2019, zero wide receivers had over 100 targets. T. Higgins' rookie year grade from PFF, better than DK Metcalf's grade his rookie year. Comparing that, of course, to the, rook, to the rookies in 2020, T. Higgins' 105 targets, and actually a lot of rookies in 2020 had over 100 targets. C.D. Lamb, Chase Claypool, and Justin Jefferson as well. But the, the production is there. And when you produce the way T. Higgins produced at a young age on a generally bad offense, and you point out in your question, he performed even without Joe Burrow, it tells you that the ingredients are there, right? He, he can take the step. Now, whether he does or whether he's a finished product, That's up to him. He has the potential to take a step for sure. But in the end, he might be a guy like you see in the Rams wide receiver group where they're all pretty good, but they're all kind of wide receiver 1A, 1B, 1C. And and they're all kind of wide receivers too as, as a result. So we'll see what happens with T. He certainly has that potential if he can take a step physically, James, as you point out, win some more of those contested ball situations. And if he can improve just a little bit as a route runner, I think, and gain some more separation, I think that would go a long way too. Last question, James. Tony Crampo at Bengal underscore dude asks about Bobby Hart. With the hiring of Frank Pollock, have the chances of Bobby Hart staying on this team increased or decreased? Decreased, but it doesn't really have much to do with Bobby Hart. It has to do with who is championing 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 Bobby Hart <laughs> and that was Jim Turner and he loved Bobby Hart I was on a conference call with him we played the audio here at Locked On Bengals and he's like Bobby Hart is the most underrated underappreciated blah 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 and look I'll give Hart credit where credit's due he had his the best season of his career it doesn't mean he was good last year or, or in 2020 it was the best season of his career that being said Jim Turner was like his dude and now his dude isn't there anymore. And, and so that part is is going to be interesting. Obviously, Frank Pollock did coach Hart back in 2018. But I, I don't think there can be loyalty now to, to a guy like Hart because these coach this coaching staff, the, the, the seat's really hot. And that isn't a heating pad keeping their rear ends warm because it's cold in Cincinnati in January. It's because they got to win games. And, and loyalty be damned, they got to find a way to do that. And if that means cutting Hart to free up money – then they're, they're going to have to have that conversation. But who knows? Let, let me ask you this, Jake, and obviously you got to answer this, but 
do you think that Hart could potentially be dealt for draft capital? Did he play well enough to get like a sixth or a seventh back in return in a contract year? I don't think so with his contract being what it is. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find it, although it is a tackle-thirsty league. Bobby Hart is a really good backup. He's a, he's a really good backup right tackle, even this year. I mean, may, maybe this year he he's closer to low-end starter. And in the NFL, there aren't enough low-end starters for there to be 32 starting right tackles in the NFL. So by default, that means Bobby Hart is starting somewhere, most likely, in the NFL based on his play in 2020. To me, I think he's a great backup that I would want to keep on the team if I thought that he had positional versatility to back up multiple positions. But he's never, as far as I can remember, taken a snap outside of right tackle for the Bengals. And so if you're even speculating about him as a swing tackle, you're speculating. I have no idea if Bobby Hart could hold up even a lick at left tackle. And to your point, James, the, the question ultimately comes down to if you could keep Bobby Hart as a backup right tackle, you would. Because you, you could do much worse than Bobby Hart as a backup right tackle, assuming they get somebody in to improve that position. But you can't pay him. You can't pay him what he's due and improve at right tackle. So I think that's ultimately what makes it less likely that Bobby Hart sticks around if they put toward uh, put forth a concerted effort to get better in the trenches. And I think that's going to start at right tackle, given the history of how we know the Bengals uh, value various offensive linemen positions. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back. Our next episode, barring breaking news, will be Mock Draft Monday. But if we have breaking news, we'll have a repeat of this week. We'll push it a day if we have to. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.